This is part one of a two-part podcast. Hi, my name's Ryan. I've been a supporter of Paul's for many years now. I wish to get the podcast and video creation part of the system we call Paul back up to full speed. And I think Patreon support is a big part of that system. Go over to patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton. Make a pledge for each artifact that Paul creates. Again, the site is patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton. You can also find the link in the podcast notes. Enjoy the podcast. Hi, right, Zach, you warm? Yeah. I'm warm. Okay, see the counter there? It's going. It's it's totally We're going. We're counting down. you got to watch this one because we've recorded some stuff on this one, and later it, it said, I'm not counting anymore. And, and it's like we lost. You went on strike. It's something like that. <laughs> yeah. So I'm here with Zach Weiss. Um, so so I, I've heard like eight different people have eight different explanations of, of who you are. Who do you think you are? Uh, in the world yeah. of permaculture, forget the rest of your life. Yeah. I don't care about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think I'm a person who enables people to reach their dreams with their land in a much quicker way. Okay. I mean, that sounds pretty boring to me, but okay. I was thinking more like, okay, aren't you Sep's bitch? Oh, oh no. I'm, I'm Sep's, Sep's protege, Sep's apprentice, uh, and I've been working with him since 2012. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Which is when when you met him in Dayton, right? Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. An event you helped organize. That's right. If it wasn't for me. <laughs> Where would I be today? I really don't know. So... um uh I I feel like I think I now have like more than 30 days like full days that I've spent with Sep, um, but you're probably more at like a uh, hundred or 200 days or something like that. Yeah, somewhere between 100 and 200, definitely more than 100. I see him every year at this point. Yeah. Um, sometimes just for a week, sometimes for longer on projects. And I remember also hearing that when you're at his place, it's like he's 15 years younger. Uh, man, I was at his place this last year and working with the chainsaw, going just a little bit too slow for him. Except 77 now. Yeah. He just rips the chainsaw out of my hand, starts doing it. <laughs> Suck at this! You're such a wuss! And most people think I'm fast and efficient, but you know, I just wasn't fast enough for him. <laughs> so, uh, um, and of course he's got the the new property, the yep. Holzerhof. Yep. And and you don't like to tell the story. I think I've told the story I don't know how many times. <laughs> In fact, I think I've heard you say to a group, if you want to hear the story, go ask Paul Wheaton. Leave me out of it. <laughs> yep, it's it's yeah. Yeah, I think you enjoy telling it a lot more. I love telling this story. <laughs> Well, and in fact, um, I think, I think that one of the things is, is, and, and Sep is such a great example of, um, here's a man doing fantastic, amazing work, just changing the shape of our world in his backyard. And it's, and it's amazing. And then people hate his fucking guts for it. And he's like, so him and Willie Smith's, I mean, the, the greats of our world, uh, just get so much hate. And it's kind of like, what a, what a magnificent example. And then of course I've had a lot sent my way, but it's nothing compared to those guys. That's how I know I, I'm, I'm lame compared to those guys. <laughs> but, you know, I'm not getting enough hate yet at all, so I gotta step <laughs> my game up. I guess that's where I was going is to say, like, surely by now you've done enough stuff that you're getting like, like people are, and it's not, and it's, it's, it's kind of like, it's not even hate. It's like, 
you're crazy. <laughs> and, and, and at the same time, they're crazy and they won't shut the fuck up. And it's like, really? It's like, yeah, I've decided to not work with you anymore. I'm just going to step quietly away. And yeah, and now and it's like, I'm sure everybody listening to this has had an, an encounter where they work with somebody and it's gone like, are you, are you serious? <laughs> okay. Um, I believe the correct thing to do now is to never do business with you again. And I'm just going to go away. But now we're in this whole new era where it's like, oh, we all have the internet. And so it's like, no, now I got to tell you, like, so, and which is exactly what happened to Sep. And I've had some of that. And Willie Smith has had some of that and all of the bigs. And so, yeah, if you haven't had this kind of hate man, you just, you, you're lame. You're not, you're not pushing the boundaries seriously, enough. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm sure you've had some. Oh, yeah. I know you yeah. and I have talked about some stuff, yeah. and it's, yeah. All right. So, um, but it's not really, our podcast today is about, um, in fact, the primary focus, and I feel like we should do it at the very end just to kind of, you know, do do Why what not? is done these days. <laughs> but we're going to do, um, uh, what does Sep call it? The Spring Terrace. Spring Terraces. Well, I think that's a stupid name for what it does. But then again, you know, <laughs> I'm sure it's, I'm sure the way he says it sounds more German anyway. Uh, yeah, very much so. <laughs> and a lot more robust. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to talk about my humus well design. Yep. Um, and, and how they, um, smell alike, but they're very different. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but now, okay, we got a list of the things we got to cover. What are the, oh, uh, one thing is, is that, um, you stopped by at our PDC last year, mm-hmm. and so you got to hang out uh, with Alan Booker. But I know for a fact that was not the first time you've met Alan Booker. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was also at our Holzer workshop in 2013. Yeah, uh, in Bozeman, Montana. That's where I met him. Yep. Yeah, and and I've I I seem to run into him many times since then. Yeah. But um, and now he's teaching our PDCs. Now the 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 thing is is that um, and I've talked to several other people. He's teaching our PDC this year. He taught it last year. He's teaching it this year, and um, the thing is is that he's a guy where it's like he he polishes every minute of the pdc and, and so the people can't see you nodding on a pod this is a podcast yeah, yeah well and he's incredibly thorough incredibly mm. detail oriented i was blown away by the packet that he's prepared that is the guide along with his pdc and mm. it's really impressive the level of detail and depth that he's put into one place yeah i i think that he has um like it, he would probably prefer to have seven years to teach a PDC, and he had oh, no to kidding. like, yeah, <laughs> and he had to like, this is this is the best he could squeeze into two weeks, yeah, and and so he's going to cover the highlights, but I think when like when I've attended PDCs, I don't know how many you've been to. I know you've never been PDC certified, it's like you haven't gotten the certification, but yeah. it's like that's not really your thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm sure you. I've been around. I've guessed. Spoken at a number. I've probably been around six different PDCs. Okay, all right. Yeah. I I know that at the uh, at the Dayton event that you just talked about a moment ago, that just before SEP arrived, there was a PDC happening. Yeah. And um, uh, I thought it was a perfectly good PDC. Um, it was kind of what I expect. It was, in fact, it was taught by the same people that where I got I took my PDC, which I thought was was wonderful. It was a wonderful experience. 
Um, but the people were on the podcast. There was probably 40 people that attended that PDC that had uh, listened to like probably all of my podcasts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, they were really frustrated at how uh, the information presented was so amateur, so beginner. And it's like, I kind of feel like if you've never heard permaculture before and you go to a PDC, then the PDC and that was back there. Was it in 2012 or 2010? 2012, yeah. Okay, 2012. And um, the PDC back then was perfect for the lowest common denominator, yeah. denominator, the beginner. But for people that um, have listened to all the podcasts or uh, are scientists or engineers, that would be it. Would be frustratingly banal. Well, and if you think if the PDC hasn't evolved in the many years, you know, what, over 30 years now it's been around, at the beginning it was this very elementary introduction to everything because that's Mm. what people needed. But now there's so much exposure by permies, by different podcasts, by different conferences. People already know a lot about permaculture before they take their PDC, and so now they want a greater level of depth, which I think makes a lot of sense. The, The PDC should be evolving as people's base knowledge is higher and higher. So I kind of feel like the place I'm going with all of this is to say <clears throat> that if the people that take a normal PDC were to take a PDC with Alan Booker, I think that they would um, not like it because it would be like drinking from the fire hose and they would not appreciate it. Um, and, and they'd probably leave on the second day. Um, but I think that the pod people that were so frustrated in 2012, um, that if they took the Alan Booker PDC, I think that they'd be like, this is perfect. And, and the sentiment that we had last year, and we got a podcast with the students from last year was pretty much that it was, it was perfect. And, um, and it's intense. It's going to be intense. It's going to, but it's going to be information rich. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and also, especially for the people who maybe think they don't need a PDC because they know enough, they've read the designer's manual. It's a good event for people like that to round out and fill any gaps in knowledge that they might have not found in their own self-education. Right. Now, um, uh, I think, I think that, uh, I think there's a lot of benefits to taking a PDC and then, and that would be a whole nother podcast for a whole nother day. Um, but, but setting that aside, I do think that there's a niche that needs to be filled and that is to have something where you get the certification, um, plus you're going to get a powerful education that is going to meet your standards if you're one of these people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that I've, I'm amazed at how many people have listened to all of the podcasts. And I imagine that, and I know that some of them have taken like Jeff Lawton's online course mm-hmm. and some other online offerings. And I, I kind of feel like, um, uh, they still feel like that wasn't enough, um, for reasons. And so this is, this is going to be something that's going to be a little bit more industrial strength. And I think some people, that's what they're looking for. That's mm-hmm. what they want. Mm-hmm. And, and because you've met Alan Bucker and you can, and you're nodding your head off. And so it's like, yes, 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 yes. That, that, I mean, it's, it's amazing at how thorough he, I mean, Alan's position is, is that he wishes to create. I believe he even believes right now he has the best PDC that's offered in the world because it's intense. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I think that people, because when I, when I went to my PDC for the very first time, we were told we have to finish reading these five books before we're, 
before we're supposed to attend. And it was only me and one other student that actually did that. And so then the whole thing was taught at the level of people who have never read any books. Yeah. Which and, makes it really frustrating for the people who put the time in beforehand. Yeah. To try and gain more out of the experience. And now they're actually getting less out of the experience because they're just being parroted what yeah. they already came to on their own. So I would say that the people that would appreciate this are going to be professionals that are scientists and engineers, mm -hmm. educators, and of course, people that have listened to all the podcasts mm -hmm. or people that have probably read like a half dozen or more books on permaculture and like, you know, thoroughly understood it those are the people that are going to appreciate this level um other people are going to not like this pdc mm -hmm. at all and they should not attend so the so the tickets are available now um it's their better price let's move on to the next what's next on your list uh well so we're saving the best for the last we're saving the best for the last okay do you want to keep the hummus well with it or do you want to <clears> yeah, yeah 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 um so let's dive right into natural swimming pools Right. Now, you've made a few now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. made a number in different scenarios, different climates. And, you know, it's really wonderful to just be able to give the people the gift of being able to swim and bathe in clean water. It's When you put it into comparison, it's kind of crazy that we're toxifying ourselves in our recreation and feeling all this itchiness with the chlorine and having skin problems, having hair problems. And this is from our own choice, but only because we're choosing poorly i think i think it's kind of funny it's like uh, uh why do we put chlorine in pools and it's um oh because you know we don't want that that green slime to show up yeah and it's like oh well what does the chlorine do well it, it's a poison yeah and it's like oh does it only poison green slime oh no it poisons everything yeah. it's it's a universal poison it's and crazy. it's like it's a but you know what life. if if you go, if you don't spend all day 24-7 in the pool, yeah. you then, then it won't kill you. But yeah. the algae is in there 24-7. Yeah. So it's a matter of, uh, dilution. Well, and it's really crazy. So working on this project I have coming up, we're working, we have to use municipal water. And so it already mm. has chlorine and chloramines in it. And so we have to filter them out. And it says right on the municipal website, if you have kidney troubles, you should not drink this water. If you are pregnant, <laughs> you should not drink this water. But this water is safe to drink. Yeah. Where's the logic there? You know, I uh, uh, a few years ago, I, I'm not, I can't remember if we said this on podcast or not, but uh, it was a, it was uh, me and Jocelyn and a couple of other permies. I can't remember who all it was. We, I think we went to go see you probably because it's out that way. We went yeah. to Butte. Okay. Yep. And we stopped off at the pit. Yep. And they've got that little thing where you can look at the pit and you're like, wow, that's a big pit. <laughs> and um, and it's like. That ain't, that color ain't right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, cause there's like this water that's built up in the pit. Uh, the, I think the pit is a, is a mile deep. 770 acres, open pit mine. And, and it's like, so I remember being to the pit many years ago and it was much deeper and it's filled up with water and you can yeah. see this creek like running into it. Yep. And the water's weird. But the, the thing that I want to talk about just real quick, and that is that, um, when you're there at the pit, then you uh they've got like this little gazebo like thing you stand in and and you're you look it's the pit and and you push this button and then this speaker comes on and it says welcome to the berkeley pit and then <clears throat> the, the bizarre thing is the message and you can just see hundreds of people arguing about what's in this message <laughs> That's, this water you're looking at is going to kill any bird that touches it. It but does it, actually say that. It says something like okay. that. Anything that touches it yeah. will die. Yeah. PH but stomach acid. But don't worry. It's safe. 
You know, they actually it, say that it's something like oh, that. It's some kind of weird yeah. thing where it's like everything is like A-okay. the opposite. <laughs> it's all good, and it's totally not. <laughs> and it's like you could just see all these people arguing about yeah. what this message is allowed to say. Yeah. And it's it's like everything is a okay, and you're totally fucked. Yeah, no <laughs> Everybody in the city is going to die from this pit. Yeah, but that's okay. Well, and it's going to be draining into the Columbia River and the ocean starting in 2020. That pit starts overfilling into Silverbow Creek, into the Columbia, into the ocean. Oh no, that is very bad news. Um, now I wish, I wish Butte was on the other side other of the continent. Other side of the divide, <laughs> yeah. Moses is looking a lot better now. <laughs> so, um, anyway, alright, so it makes, so that you think of a, of a standard swimming pool, yeah. and it's kind of weird, and I, I can't help but think that 50 years from now, we're gonna tell people about, like, yeah, we put chlorine in swimming pools, and, it, and people are gonna be like, no way. Yeah, well, exactly. Why would you do that? You know, my dad used to go around and spread 2,4-D on the pond to start it before the year. And I think exactly like you're saying, I think in another, even as short as 10 or 20 years, we'll look at, oh, it was crazy to expose our kids to all that chlorine. Look at all the problems it led to. And I, I absolutely agree. And when the, the solution is so simple, just working with natural systems to filter and clean the water, you get a water that looks better. It smells better. It actually is healthy and it doesn't require the toxic gick. We we drove around in cars that were run by petroleum. <laughs> <laughs> so uh <clears throat> chlorine is a general poison. It 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 kills universally. Life. All yeah. life. All life. It kills it. And it's maybe like, more slowly, maybe more quickly, depending on exposure and health of the and, organism. And I think people are you know, going into swimming pools now are more likely to get sick because um, the 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 amount of toxins that they're able to take on yeah. is already so flooded from so many other vectors. They're yeah. becoming more and more sensitive from their food, from their environment. So it's the toxin load, and, yeah. and so in my new book, which you haven't seen, I'm uh, looking we, forward we talk to about reading. That. <laughs> so we we talk about that a little yeah. bit, but it's like people can only tolerate so much, and so yeah. I think more and more people are getting sensitive to it. So you've been um, so. Uh, years ago, I, in fact, I got a podcast way back where where we got a two podcast review of David Pagan Butler's um, uh, DVD, which, by the way, is now available on the Permies Digital Market. You can go and I think it's like fifteen bucks, and you can watch. You'll own oh, the movie wonderful. on Permies, and he's got a book. Okay, I didn't even and, know he had a book now. And I'm supposed to set it up so that you can get a deal, like $5 off if you get the book and the movie together. Okay. And I haven't done that yet. That's my bad. <laughs> um, okay, so, but uh, that was ages ago. You've seen it. Uh, but now you've been out, you've built a whole bunch mm-hmm, of natural mm-hmm. swimming pools for a lot of different people. Yeah. A lot of water systems. Yeah. So I know that for the last several years, um, it seems like you stopped by once in a long while. Yeah. Um, your visits are getting less frequent yep. because you are now a globetrotter. I, so in 2018, I worked on five continents. So you're considered the, uh, the Sepp Holzer that speaks English and is less angry at people. <laughs> I'm not going to agree to that last part, but I do speak English. <laughs> so of course everybody wants Sepp Holzer to come to their place. Yeah. 
And um, and and Sepulcher, I remember one time Sepulcher was saying something about like uh, he will never work for rich fuckers. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and it's like, well, what? Like how rich you talk? Because somebody, because you charge a lot of money, dude. <laughs> and so it's like, yeah. uh, you know, that money's got to come from someplace. Yeah. And uh, but he's like, yeah, for these people that have lots and lots of money, he he just hates them yeah. with a passion. Yeah. And so. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe he sends those people to you now or something like that. I I think I mean partially. I think for Sep the biggest thing too is what's this person's goal? Because you do get a lot of rich people that it's just their novelty thing. And I also it, those aren't interesting projects. The interesting projects are the ones where the people actually feel the value of it, feel the intrinsic call to it, and are going to do something with it. They want to um, create change on their land. Exactly, and as, they want to participate in it. As opposed to like you know while they have their uh, party, then they. Could point at it and like, oh, we had some yeah. people come over and put in this, well, this and wet thing. See I, the wet thing over there? I have friends who are, are permaculture designers, implementers that have done these projects for these super wealthy, and they'll literally spend a week laying sod sometimes because the guy wants a sod field for his party coming up in two <laughs> weeks, and so they're a permaculture designer, but they're actually laying sod yeah. that's going to be irrigated. That's nothing resembling permaculture. Right. Right, right. And and that's been my experience for probably half of the places I've been to that say, we do permaculture. And it's like, you just did standard landscaping, and then you stuck a sign up on it that said permaculture. Yeah. And you planted one apple tree next to the sign. Yeah. You know, like, that's, that's you know, nah. so I, it's frustrating. Yeah. And and it's like, well, I'm glad that they're at least grooving on the word, you know. But, yeah, it's yeah. like, uh, we, just, we just did standard landscaping, laying in sod. Um, which is uh, not even doing it from seed. I want instant uh, lawn party, yeah. you know, over yeah, yeah, here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. All right. But anyway, as you've been Mr. Globetrotter, and you, earthworks is your specialty. Is that correct? Yeah. Water, water systems specifically. But yeah, we've done yeah. a lot of earthworks and really looking at how people are managing their water resource. And so yeah. this whole last year, I was mostly working for homesteaders, farmers who don't have enough water, but they have a long rainy season. And so how do we start to preserve and store that water so that they have plenty for their whole setup? How do you feel about pond liners? Horrible. <laughs> so uh, one thing that people need to understand is there's a big difference between an earth body, an earthen, a water body made in the earth that actually returns the water to the earth. And so mm-hmm. for one, it holds much more than is actually in the pond itself. Mm-hmm. But two, it's actually causing watershed recharge. It's feeding springs in other parts of the area. When you create a pond with a liner, you really have an outside tank that has no watershed recharge as part of it. It is an evaporation basin and causes a lot more evaporation. It has some benefits as a wildlife feature and things like this, providing drinking water. But if you really want to repair watersheds, it has to be done with earthen water bodies. So having a pond with a liner on a property um, adds, you know, 10 units of, of lovely but the exact same thing done without a liner is a hundred units of lovely. Maybe a thousand units of lovely, because for one, the pond loses less to evaporative losses. Mm-hmm. Two, it actually has more within its body. But three, it creates this whole hydrated zone around the water body that's mm-hmm. basically sub-irrigated land where everything's going to really thrive. Yeah, yeah. So, all right, what's next on your list? Uh, <laughs> so. 
Uh, oh, we wanted to, as part of your um, Kickstarter and your launch for the book, we're going to throw in one of my presentations with the slides. And it's really impressive, the list of collaborators that you all have thrown something into the puzzle. Right. This is a new thing. We just made it up the other day. <clears throat> I just got this idea. And it's kind of taken on its own life. So what we're doing is we're setting up a thing that says that people that support the Kickstarter for the first 48 hours will get this extra bonus gob. And, uh, and at first I thought, oh, well, I got a few things I could, you know, throw in there, you know, things that are not free now and, and stuff. And it's like, okay, so, and then other people said, uh, that they'll throw in stuff. So like Raven's like written a book about how to drop spindle. And, and then, um, uh, I think Dave Burton came up with something about fractals. He's got like a, a collection of fractal images. And, and then, um, so then everybody started kind of throwing in more and more and more. So we've got, uh, to catch the rain by Ilani. Uh, he had a Kickstarter while and we helped him out with that and we've got um uh, michael judd is throwing in uh the hugo culture chapter from his book okay nice uh yeah and, and so there's been like um i'm trying to remember all the things thomas elpel has his new book that he just wrote this last winter and he i think i saw that he's giving us chapters one through eight of his new book oh, no way yeah that's special I'm going to so, be contributing just for that. And so I was like, we've got a, that, so we've got a list of stuff. Yeah. And, and then, uh, so I think when I, when I contacted you, you're kind of like, I don't, I don't think I have anything. And I said, dude, I've seen you give presentations. What about those slides? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. yeah Cause yeah. I know people ask for that. Yeah. Yeah. And people do. And I've always said no. And, uh, yeah, you've twisted my arm the right amount. <laughs> <laughs> but right. no, I'm really, I'm excited to have something to throw into the table too. Cause it's, it's going to be a great book. I'm excited to read it and let's get as many people. And I really like the system that you have where it's this decentralized distribution network where it's intended that you give the book on to other people. And that's that's really cool because what's the point of a book that you buy, read once, and sit on a shelf? It should be floating around. Well, I'm hoping that people will buy it by the dozen, yeah, and then and then you know pass it on that way. Uh, what we're trying to do is we're trying to make it so it's just crazy cheap to get a, a dozen of them. Nice. Um, and and. Uh, uh, we're trying to write it in such a way that it's digestible that way. But <clears throat> we've. We have gone out and we've read a whole bunch of books that are supposed to be the kind of content that's in this book, and we kind of feel like, oh, we have 20 times more content. One of the ones that seemed like the leader in this space, it was like um, a good quarter to a third of the book was about meditation. Do you do you feel like meditation has helped with the uh, carbon footprint in the uh, in the world? <laughs> in a long range sense, okay. I mm. could actually see it. I mean, becoming more self aware, impacting how you're, uh, not directly, but I could see it long term. The, the couple of times I've tried meditation, I just fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> what does that say about you? Yeah, maybe, maybe that, maybe it does. Is uh, I'm already where I'm supposed to be. I don't know what it means. I have no idea how to interpret that. But, maybe but just the, you're tired. The, yeah. Maybe so. Maybe so. Are we, we going to stop for a moment? Well, no, I'll just take a nap. <laughs> okay. Um, <clears throat> I'm, I'm not much of a napper, really, but, but yeah. it's like, boy, when you're trying, they're trying to get you to meditate and they're saying all the things and everybody's, it's like, ah, I'm so bored. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's very soothing too. Is it's it? kind of natural. I've, I've, I've met a lot of lovely people that like to do the Vipassana thing. Okay. Yeah. 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 That sounds, 
That sounds brutal to me. Like, you really I think wouldn't be able to do it. I don't think I would, but when I think of people that wouldn't be able to, you're pretty high on the list. <laughs> I've I've heard of people doing a vipassana for thirty days and they're so proud. I did a thirty day vipassana, and it's like. Man, that sounds like going to prison for 30 days. Yeah, yeah. Why would you did that voluntarily? <laughs> and what do you got to show for it? <laughs> oh, I'm in touch with myself now. <laughs> and that's important. What the hell? All right, so you're it's okay. Yeah. The the key is I think that the book is very packed with yeah, stuff. Yeah. And and we've had we've shared a few bits of it in in the podcast. But the 48-hour thing, the first 48 hours, I'm, I'm super pumped about this 48 hour thing and we're and i think we're not even halfway there we've, we're still getting tons of people offering up stuff to put in there yeah. for the first 48 hours and so it's like this is awesome this has been super cool so um and and i and i think the last podcast we said by the time you hear this podcast the kickstarter will have started and those two podcasts are now out <laughs> it's like well what's happened we, we shared the book with like 30 different authors and and said, can we get your feedback on yeah. this? And um, there's been some amazing feedback. And so we've been processing all of this feedback and, and polishing the book. More recently, we're kind of like, we got to tell these authors to shut the fuck up and stop sending us feedback. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we got to we, to we, release we gotta get it out. We yeah. got to stop. all. We can't poly. I mean, granted, there's been some points where it's like, wow, now it's three times better than it was before. Uh-huh. But... Um, you we gotta, gotta stop. We gotta yeah. stop and get on with the Kickstarter. Yeah. So, and then this idea popped in my head, and now I'm processing all of that. Yeah. And it's like, okay, which what a cool method instead of trying to incentivize the end, like how they're usually done, incentivize the beginning. Get a bunch of people on the board right from the start. Well, I think a Kickstarter has got most of its incentivizing happening. Like, if it doesn't get funded, you don't get to have it at all. Yeah. So you yeah. better buy it now, or yeah. you get nothing. Yeah. I think that's the incentive yeah um and then it seems like for my last kickstarter it seems like um what we did is we had stretch goals and so we were trying to like always have three stretch goals ready Mm -hmm. because it was going so fast it was going way faster than what i expected okay and so um and then we were it was just such a crazy melee towards the end and it i got the last three days we probably made more than all the rest of the kickstarter wow it was insane like we were having to come up with like four new uh, uh stretch goals uh each day you know and i was like well what's gonna be our day so i think what we should have done is we should have said like fuck it we're done <laughs> yeah you know Let it but roll, on the yeah. other hand it was pretty it was a wild ride it was really cool yeah and um why didn't all these people support the kickstarter earlier on i i don't know uh-huh. maybe because we didn't have all the stretch goals then or something uh-huh. yep. but um <clears throat> i'm i kind of feel like i've gotten pretty good at doing kickstarters and and i hope that this time i do better than ever before but in order to do that i think the thing I always think is the magic ingredient for any endeavor is creativity, and I created this idea. Yeah. So just you know, so and I feel excited about it. We'll see what happens. I'm still nervous as hell that the thing won't get funded at all, and it's and like you are every time. Yeah, it to work out. Well, I've never written a book before. Yeah, and so it's been something in the works for a long time. I mean, oh, as yeah. long as I've known you, you've been talking about it. Yeah. Well, I've got three other books that I've got like. 70% done yeah. that are have been collecting dust for 
more than a decade. Okay. And so okay. it's like, like I've got a whole book on hugo culture, a okay. huge, huge book on hugo culture that I haven't looked at for probably two years. Wow. Yeah. And got to get that out too. I've got a book. I've got a massive book on fallacy. Okay. Um, which I think would be amazing. In fact, the way I wrote it, I think is rather brilliant because, um, <clears throat> The idea is, is like how to how to defend yourself against fallacy, or how how to do mind control on stupid people. Okay. <laughs> so there's two there ways to read the book. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, uh, which is basically what fallacy is. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing how people just totally like, you'll you'll say fallacy and they're like, yeah, and they're convinced. Oh, it's now like, you can become president of the U.S. That way. Don't fucking believe that shit. Yeah. Are you yeah. kidding me? Yeah. So it's, it's like the whole expression of, um, the world's lamest fallacy is, ah, come on. And it's like, do you want to go to the movies? No. Ah, come on. Well, okay. What the fuck just happened there? <laughs> what happened? Uh, how was, ah, come on? How the fuck how did, did that, that persuade you? Yeah, no ah, come on. The least impassioned. And it's like, so first of all, whenever anybody says, ah, come on to me, it's like, you must think I am really stupid. And then if I ever see it work on somebody, I, I think, that person is really stupid. I mean, how does that work? All right. Yeah. Hey, we've wandered off the, We're wait, what's off on the, the list? Track. So what's now on? I, I've got an interesting take on this. So I, you know, coming from the Sepp Holzer school, yeah. I definitely, <laughs> I don't do school, right. permaculture, um, and I have kind of a love-hate relationship with it, mostly love, but there's one of the big problems that I see is that right now the professional certification mm-hmm. is the introduction course. And they're one and the same. And there's no way to suss out the people who the really know part. what they're doing, the PDC. Oh, the PDC. The PDC right. is kind of like your introduction to permaculture. It doesn't actually give you enough to do all of these things. It right. doesn't say if you've taken a PDC, most people still don't know how to do any of those things. And so uh, your PEP program really excites me because it's actually a way to assess, can this person actually do this thing? Can this person actually build a pond? Because we, we kind of know. I mean, I work for a lot of people after they've hired other permaculture designers that have their PDC that had no idea what they were doing. They knew the words, they knew the language. And so I think this PEP system is really exciting. How do you actually prove that someone's done it by them doing it and then proving it? And now you have a system of people that you can actually validate. So now uh, I want to throw out the idea of saying, like, uh, suppose somebody comes up to you and they say, Zach, I I want to come and um, uh, get paid amazing money to do what you do and and stuff like that and and then i i can already see you rolling your eyes like yeah i've heard this one a few times but then on the other hand if there's somebody that's got pep4 certification i imagine that your response would be different absolutely absolutely anyone that's and it's so hard to suss out because you get so many people that are interested and to be honest for most people it's a passing fad and i've learned to become very wary of the permaculture enthusiasts because there's so many times you get burned and they just sit on their shovel the whole time asking you questions and don't know how to work. And so, yeah, it would be a whole different experience to be like, oh, well, this person has already done all of these different things. Now we can just move into the work. I know they're going to work out. It's not this period of trial and error. So so if somebody comes to you and they say, oh, I have got experience and stuff and, and I'm a hard worker, how, how often is that true? 
Oh, three um, percent. Uh, so there's a lot of people the saying, minority. "I have experience. I'm yeah. a hard worker." Yeah. And and it turns out, yeah. So no, no I, and I kind of feel like, um, what a great way to separate the wheat from the chaff. Yeah. And and it's like, yeah. so uh, you'll be able to on, with the pet program, you'll be able to go and look at pictures of the ponds that they have built. Yeah. Yeah. And you'll be able to um, see video of of them in action and all of the because for every little bb for every little badge yeah they have had to provide photographic evidence yep. that they've done it yeah and so but i love that it's decentralized because now anyone you could be in a third world country with a cell phone you don't have the money to travel to attend this pdc or this training but you can still do the training you can still mm-hmm. prove that you've done it and so i really love that part of the system that it's decentralized it's not yep. all at one place it's happening online on this community right, right. anybody can do it now right now well, the first pass of this, we're setting it up so that it's like, uh, you know, cold climate. In fact, you know, we were talking a little bit earlier before we turned on the microphone about, like, you know, my feelings about permaculture. It's like, if you're not willing, if you're looking to do permaculture someplace and you're looking for land, you know, what you want is sloped, forested land in a climate like where I am. And, and it's like, Everything else is just dumb. And I mean, SEP is in the exact same place. And, and it's like, there are other people that have different philosophies and it's like, yeah, yeah, whatever, go do your own thing. And it's like, oh, and then we were talking about, cause you've done a lot of work, not only in cold climates like this, but in tropical mm-hmm. and everything in between. Yeah. And I was saying like, you know, tropical sounds nice until you're picking the parasites out. And cause you were like, cause you were kind of like, no, tropical is beautiful. And then I said, until you're picking the parasites out, then you went, Oh, well, right. yeah, yeah. I mean, those bugs mean business down there. They're a different breed. Yeah. So, so here you are back in Montana. <laughs> Why aren't you down there in those tropical, beautiful places? Paradise, man. <laughs> Every everything has its benefits and drawbacks, definitely. And it has been really fun to kind of taste the rainbow of the different things that people might choose for a homestead, the different climates, the different locations, and <laughs> it's it's definitely given me a lot of perspective. Taste the rainbow and then come back to Montana <laughs> to recover. <laughs> I so Fred Fred has spent a lot of time in Hawaii and then I saw a video the other day about uh living in Hawaii and uh they were saying 10 reasons why you don't want to live in Hawaii. And uh one of them was like, "Oh, look, I got a tree. I'm going to go plant a tree." And clang. And it's like there's there's not soil. Uh, it's yeah. everything is rock. Yeah. It's all this lava rock. You can't dig a hole. You know, you got to go get a crowbar, not a crowbar, a digging bar. Yeah. And and spend eight hours digging your hole, and then you can have a hole. Yeah. Um. So there was that. Then there was like um the parasites mm-hmm. and the insects. You if you grow a garden, don't fucking eat that food because of the slugs. It's like if you eat like lettuce, no one will eat lettuce grown in a garden in Hawaii. Because the slugs get on it, and there's something about these slugs that get on it, and if you eat one, it's like catastrophic. Really? It, which is a sep word. Really? Catastrophic. Yeah, it is. It's like the first time I met Yeah, the first time I met him, he would say it in English. Yeah, okay. Catastrophe. Okay. Everything he pointed at was catastrophe. Yeah. If it's thought of by sep, it's brilliant. But if it's by anybody else, it's catastrophe. And the next time, it's like, I'm not even going to say it in English anymore. It's, so that's how I learned it. 
Katastrophen yeah. is the German version. Yeah. Yeah. Katastrophen. Heard that word a lot. Yep. Oh, no kidding. I don't know a lot of German, yeah. but I know Katastrophen. Yeah. Yeah. So, but uh, uh, the other, re- other couple of reasons were, I thought were really fascinating, just real quick, while yeah. we're talking about, yeah. like, go live someplace tropical. Uh, one of them was you can't have stuff. And there's two reasons why. First reason is everything gets covered in mold in a couple of months. Usually, often true. Yeah. Next one is, is there's, everybody steals your shit. Depends where you are, but uh, commonly often. Well, this was Hawaii. True. Yeah. This was okay. Hawaii. So they're okay. kind of like, apparently, yeah. Yeah. like if you leave your property yeah. for half an hour, there's people wa- waiting for you to leave and they're going to go steal all your shit. And, and it's like, I had no idea that it was like that yeah and um the mold thing i hadn't thought of that i mean every time i see a picture of hawaii it's all like beaches forever you know yeah yeah, and it's like that was another one too uh you would think that in hawaii you can you know run through everywhere barefoot and it's like no way always wear shoes Otherwise, your 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 feet turn to hamburger in like I don't know minutes, because <laughs> it's like the lava. The lava yeah. rock yeah. is sharp. Sure, it just cuts you apart. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, yeah, there. Yeah. So now, actually, I, the first time I ever, you know, got a glimpse of this is I was watching a presentation in Montana mm-hmm. done by Skeeter. Okay. And he was talking about Belize, and it's like all these okay. beautiful pictures, all yeah. this wonderful stuff, and then. Yeah. Um, uh, somebody asked the question, like, well, you know, it's so beautiful. There's such a paradise. And you show, like, if you're hungry, you just reach up all year round and you get, a, you know, food just yeah. right there. And it's like, why would you ever want to live in Montana? And then he said, well, because every night uh, you get together with your friends, you strip naked, and you hold your arms out like this, and you spin slowly while they pick all the parasites out. And it's like, that was the first time I'd ever heard of that. And it's kind of like, man, Montana sure is perfect. Uh, I love Montana. It's great from an end, you know, honestly, too. So many parts, even of the U.S. now, Lyme disease is such a thing. And it is here, yeah. but it's not nearly as no, bad there's as none of it here. most of the places I go. Montana has zero. Has zero, okay. Zero Lyme okay. disease. We have ticks. Okay, yeah. Then, and it's like, that was another thing. As Fred was talking about how he was like over in uh, on Kansas or Minnesota or something. And he says he would be picking off like a hundred ticks a day. Oh, yeah. And um, like all of last summer, he had six and okay. they hadn't attached. Yeah. He just brushed them off. That is the wonderful thing about the cold weather. Yeah. Because it really knocks back all of the pests like that. But see, like in Minnesota, they've got cold weather too i think they just have more moisture but i i can't speak much to minnesota but then when you go to the south like texas oklahoma the southeast i mean the ticks are crazy and and then uh uh insects in hawaii apparently everything is overrun with red ants it's like you try to do anything it's just a bazillion red ants man i'll say of all the things i've experienced a red ant bite was one of the worst because they actually cultivate the microbes on their little pincers that make it get infected and so i had this ant bite that turned into a golf ball sized boil that i had a couple of days where i almost couldn't walk on one of my feet at all and eventually it went down but uh who knew red ants packed such a good punch <laughs> wow wow <clears throat> So uh, Hawaii is not what I thought it was. <laughs> the other thing is, is that they said you can't make friends because uh, what happens is, is that other people come and you're like, we're friends. This is my new bestie. And then um, uh, suddenly they leave 
because of all the other reasons. And okay. now you don't have a bestie anymore. Okay, okay. Uh, and then they said, one of the reasons why you come is because you think, like, I'm going to eat all this magnificent fruit. I love all this fruit. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're just going to have to leave behind all the other fruit that you like. Uh-huh. No more berries, uh, yep. no more apples, yep. no more all the other things that you like. Yeah. It's it's different. It's a shift. It's not like you get to keep all the old stuff. Yep. And they Absolutely said, if you one. want, you can go to the grocery store and buy this just yeah. like you would, you know. <clears throat> but it's all... But now it's coming in off island. It's not even produced near there. All the same problem. Apples are mushy. The, yeah. the berries are old. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they're expensive. They're like, yeah. you know, yeah. so anyway. I don't know. Have you had ice cream bean though? Ice cream bean is pretty good. <laughs> I have not. I have not. You and I've heard. Even give up huckleberries. For so ice I got cream an bean. email from Willie Smiths the other day. Yeah. And Willie Smith said, "Let's set up a time where you and I can hang out in uh, in Hawaii." Okay. Nice. It'll be halfway for each of us. There you go. And you know, no passport for you. And I don't have to have a passport. You should be jumping but on see, that. But see, any moment now, though, they're going to make it so that I can't fly domestically either. Well, technically, they already have with the Montana license. Is it? A is it? Oh, I thought they it was still coming. don't enforce it, but it has now that rule is in effect. But I've flown with just my license <clears throat> many times now. Okay. All right. All they right. don't actually know to enforce it yet, I think. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Well, so the the thing is, is that um, I agree with their analysis of why Montana fought so long and hard to say we're not playing that game. Yeah, yeah. So, but that's getting into political, and I don't want to be political, and so blah. But so the window might be closing. But Willie Smith was saying like, because in the past there were two different attempts where people were going to set up this event in Hawaii mm-hmm. and uh, I'd agreed to go and uh, Willie's uh, agreed to go and Jeff Lawton agreed to go and we could probably get some more people to go mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it could be this event yeah. and it could be cool yep. but the um, people putting on I the event go. the people putting on the event didn't didn't pull okay, it off it didn't make it happen and, and so it's like I mean it sounded like there was all kinds of stuff that was getting worked out and then mm-hmm. suddenly hello mm-hmm. still there hello and so then the event's not happening um and so I kept thinking, like, this is great. I'll get to go, and I won't have to buy a ticket. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, when I get there, I'll have all kinds of people to visit with, and I won't have to have, like, organized that in any way. Yeah. This yeah. is great. Yeah. And um, so now Willie's just saying, forget all that. Just buy a fucking ticket, yeah. and we'll meet up. Yeah. And have a lovely time yeah. in Hawaii, like, four or five days. Yep. And I'm thinking, like, you know, I start. And have you ever met Willie Smith? Yeah, I'd hear. Here, okay, but yeah, the guy's a genius. Yeah. I mean, Sep is great and all, yeah. but I kind of feel like if you're gonna like include the rest of the world, uh, I think Willie's probably out sepping Sep. Um, you know, I think there's different approaches with it. And well, some people focus more on the social infrastructure, which has very good results. Some people focus more on the ecological side of things, which also has very good results. And yeah. ideally, marrying the two of those together is the best of sure. both worlds. Sure. All I'm thinking is, is like, um, uh, like Willie Smith's is, he's working on things on a much larger scale yeah. than Sep. I mean, Sep's got some large scale yeah. projects. Yeah. Um, but, <clears throat> well, and then, Plus, I've know, talked to Sep at great length, and I've talked to Willie Smith at great length. Yeah. And um, uh, I feel, I mean, I feel pretty dumb standing next to Sep, but I feel dumber standing next to Willie Smith, if you know what I mean. So, um, 
oh, I just, I just kind of, and, and fortunately, so Willie Smith has like a million acres now or something like that, or half a million acres that he's working on. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the, the results are fantastic and amazing. I, I, I want to record seven more podcasts with Willie Smith. And of course, it's difficult to record a podcast with Seth because he doesn't speak English. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. and, uh, um, but, and then, but, all right. Yeah, you're right. They're each working from a completely different angle. Yeah. Um, and both doing really impressive, incredible am- things. Amazing stuff. Yeah. Amazing stuff. And, um, if, if I, if I eat all my vegetables someday when I grow up, I might be half as good as either of those guys. I feel the same way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is continued in part two. Don't forget. Go out to patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton and make a pledge for future artifacts.